Oh my goodness, you crazy son of a bitch. Do you have any idea what you've just done? You've just discovered the Marts and Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. This is the show that may or may not be an hour long based on your perception of time and how much I've got to say. So strap yourselves in and prepare your ears for the journey of a lifetime with your host of the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour, me, you idiot. Welcome to the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. My name is Martin Lestraps, and this is episode number 84. So if you are amongst my my most loyal listeners, then I want to thank you for joining me for 84 consecutive episodes. And if you are not amongst my most loyal listeners, but you're still a Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour, dude, I just fucked up the name of my own show. Let me try that again. Uh, if you are amongst uh, uh, the Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour enthusiasts, then you've listened to a whole bunch of episodes because you enjoy it, but you haven't heard all 84. Technically, nobody's heard all 84 because this is the beginning of episode 84, but, you know, you get my drift. Uh, and, you know, if, if this is your very first episode, uh, if you've never, ever listened to the March and the Strap Show podcast hour until right now, until uh, roughly uh, one minute and four seconds ago, when my, when my voice uh, penetrated your, your ear holes... And I want to welcome you too. I want to welcome everybody. I've got a really special show for you this week uh, because uh, this week I'm going to play you somebody else's show. Technically, sort of. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's still the Martinless Trap Show podcast hour, and you're still going to hear my voice for, uh, for, the, for the next hour or so. But what I'm actually going to play you is a, a conversation that I had on another show a few months ago. Because back in July of this year, 2015, I appeared on the KSKQ 89.5 FM radio show and podcast, Get Behind Me Now, Stay There. And during my appearance on that show, I was interviewed by the president of Just Imagine It, Inc., Charlie Stanton. And for anybody keeping score, uh, I appeared on episode 61 of Get Behind Me Now, Stay There. So... For anybody keeping score at home, this is episode 84 of the Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour. And during this episode, number 84, I'm going to play you episode 61 of Get Behind Me Now, Stay There. Or at the very least, I'm going to play you uh, part of that episode. Because I, I, I wasn't the featured guest on the, on the entire episode. If I remember, if I remember correctly, I was, I was one of two... Uh, one of two interviews on that particular episode. The other interview, which had nothing to do with me, I wasn't recording while they were interviewing, but it was with a, a band called Blue Ivy, an alternative rock band from from New Zealand. So, so uh, if you go to episode sixty one, you'll hear that interview first. I just don't want you to get confused and think that all of a sudden I've taken up music and a New Zealand accent. Uh, but for those for those of you who are not in the know, uh, especially if you uh, if you do not live in or near, uh... oh, do you guys hear that? That's a, it's a car alarm. I was in the middle of uh, telling you about get get behind me now, stay there, and somebody's car alarm went off. I, I I hope to God you can hear it because if you can't hear it, 
then I, I just kind of sound silly here. I'm going to be quiet for a second to see if you guys can hear it. Do you hear it? Nod yes if you do. Blink, blink once for yes, twice for no. Okay. It's done. It's done. Okay, so back, uh, where the fuck was I? Oh, I know what I know what I was saying. Uh, if uh, if you're not from around uh, Ashland, Oregon, then there's a there's a there's a a, a, a pretty decent chance that uh, that you might not be completely familiar with the radio show and podcast. Get behind me now. Stay there. So get behind me now. Stay there. It's a weekly arts and entertainment radio show and podcast that brings you the news and the views that you want to know in the world of art and entertainment. The show features interviews with artists, film producers, directors, poets, musicians, and once in a while, authors like myself. The show is hosted by Charlie Stanton, Cyrus Emerson, Jerry Renfro, and Maya Seligman. And uh, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, it was uh, Charlie Stanton who interviewed me for the show, and so we uh, essentially we had a one-on-one conversation. So, so even though the show has multiple hosts, uh, I was only in conversation with, with Charlie. When episode 61, uh, when, it, when it aired... The uh, the episode itself played roughly 20 minutes of my conversation with Charlie. But Charlie and I actually spoke for well over an hour. We had a really, really wonderful and engaging conversation. Uh, when I say engaging, I mean that uh, he and I were completely engaged with, with one another. And so I can only hope that, you know, the, those of you listening will be as engaged as, uh, as Charlie and I were. And, and, you know, it was my first time on the show, and I have no idea how, how they do business, so I don't know if it's normal for, uh, for, for Charlie to, to talk for over an hour with a guest. But um, either way, I was, I was, uh, I was, I was very, much, I very much enjoyed my conversation with Charlie. And, um, and, I, and I, didn't know, I knew they weren't going to play the whole thing. Like, I knew that right away, partly because he told me and partly just because, you know, it's, it, I don't know. I, I I understood the format of the show and I knew that they couldn't very well, you know, play a one hour segment of me talking. So I kind of had it in the back of my head that somewhere, you know, somewhere down the line, I would want to actually share, you know, the the extended version of my conversation with uh, with Charlie Stanton. Now, how I how I got on the show, I, I didn't actually get on the show initially by by knowing Charlie uh, but uh, but one of his co-hosts, Cyrus Emerson, and it's not that I it's not that I know Cyrus, but uh, but we had, we had uh, connected haphazardly, as it were, uh, on LinkedIn. And you know I don't spend uh, an awful lot of time on LinkedIn, but you know it's it's kind of one of those social media websites that uh, uh, every once in a while I'll remember that I have a LinkedIn profile, so I'll I'll go. Uh, I'll go sniff around and, you know, see what's what. And so on one particular day while I was, uh, you know, hanging out on LinkedIn, uh, I came across a, a profile for Cyrus Emerson. And again, I don't, I, I didn't know Cyrus ahead of time, but the two things about Cyrus and uh, that, that stood out to me were that uh, he worked on a radio show, which I thought was very cool, especially since, you know, I, I'm doing this podcast thing. So I have a, uh, I'm a little bit more tuned in to other folks who were engaged in uh, in, a, in any sort of you know audio medium, uh, but beyond that, uh, he uh, 
He's from the Inland Empire, which is where I currently uh, live. It's also where I grew up, and it's again, it's it's where I currently live. So I thought that was kind of cool. So, uh, so we ended up connecting on LinkedIn and started messaging back and forth. And uh, turns out he's also a writer. Uh, in fact, I think that was probably not kind of thing of it. I'm sure that was the third thing that sort of you know um, kind of got my attention. So. So, you know, he was he was on a radio show. He's a writer. He's from the Inland Empire. So, you know, it, it seemed like uh, he and I, you know, had an awful lot in the comments. So we ended up uh, messaging a little bit back and forth. I told him about the podcast, and I even extended an invitation. And uh, and Cyrus, uh, uh, he countered my invitation by inviting me to be on, you know, their, their, their radio show uh, in Oregon, Get Behind Me Now, Stay There. So I was very flattered by the offer, and I was more than happy to to take him up on it. And so a few days later, uh, uh, Charlie Stanton contacted me, you know, let me know that Cyrus told him about me and uh, that uh, they wanted to have me on the show. So we scheduled uh, an interview and, uh, and, you know, went from there. The rest, as they say, is hilarious or history, whatever you like. But like I said, we did have a really, really great conversation, and I suspect it's going to tickle you more than once. You may even laugh out loud while you're listening to it, so if you're drinking milk while you're listening, you know, do so at your own risk. Now, for uh, a, a good chunk of our conversation, uh, Charlie asks me, uh, you know, a lot about my debut novel, Inside the Outside. And, uh, you know, partly... You know, partly because, you know, at the time of our interview, that was, you know, that, that was that was my primary contribution to the to the literary world. Uh, you know, my the, the first book of the vampire trilogy, The Vampire, The Hunter and the Girl, it had been published, but um, it hadn't been out for a very long time. So, you know, it was still finding its way in the world. So inside the outside, you know, it stands to reason that that's that's kind of where where Charlie would uh, want the, the conversation to go in terms of my, my writing career. And it was nice. It was really nice because I've spent so much of the last few years both writing The Vampire, The Hunter, and The Girl, and really the whole Vampire the Vampire and The Hunter trilogy. I can't remember the names of any of my shit today. But I've spent so, so much of the last few years, you know, working on this whole uh, vampire tale that um, I, I sort of have forgotten about inside the outside it almost feels like it's somebody's somebody else's book in some some other universe that i'm only sort of you know uh you know tangent <laughs> oh fuck me i can't even use words right that i'm only partially connected to i, what was, what was I gonna say uh, something about uh, some derivative of tangent but whatever i can't my brain's not working exactly right right this second so whatever just going to keep uh, pushing ahead and uh, telling you about my conversation with Charlie Stanton. Uh, anyway, what I was trying to say is that uh, because I, I've spent so much time on the vampire novel and I have not spent a whole lot of time thinking about or talking about Inside the Outside, it was actually really nice and really fun and kind of refreshing to to kind of go backwards a little bit and spend some time talking about my very first book, which, you know, for the whole rest of my life is going to be... Uh, you know, really, really, really special, you know, to me. And, uh, and you know, it's probably going to be the most special book that I ever write specifically because 
it was the first book that uh, that I ever wrote and published. And of course, you know, it went on to enjoy success. But it's it's always going to be the first. It's always going to be special to me. So it was actually um, really nice to to talk about that for a little while with Charlie. Uh, if if you were listening to the sound of my voice and you do not have a copy of Inside the Outside, my award-winning novel about a cannibal cult in the San Bernardino Mountains, and you'd like to get yourself a copy of it, then you should go to Amazon.com. But before you go to Amazon.com, please go to the official website of this podcast, MartinLestrapsShow.com. And when you get there, go to the shop page. And actually, on the shop page, uh, you have two options. One, there's an Amazon banner. Click that banner. It's going to take you right to Amazon. Do all the shopping you were going to do otherwise, including getting yourself a copy of Inside the Outside. However, also on the shop page, there, there's a section specifically for my books, right? It's only fair. It's my podcast. There should be a section just for my books. And you'll see uh, you'll see a, a, a picture. You'll see the, the cover of Inside the Outside. Just click on it. Not only will it take you to Amazon.com, it'll take you to the specific page where you can get yourself a copy of Inside the Outside in either paper book or Kindle. Or both. Treat yourself. You know, you work hard. Treat yourself. Get the paper and digital copy of Inside the Outside. But, more importantly, because you went through the official website of this podcast, Amazon, in turn, will kick a few pennies back our way, and then we get to take those pennies and reinvest them into the show, and it allows us to make this podcast as good as we can possibly make it for you, which is what we strive to do week after week after week. Now, that said, I'm going to go ahead and uh, play you the extended version of my conversation with Charlie Stanton on Get Behind Me Now, Stay There. Uh, if you heard the the 20-minute version uh, on the original uh, airing of Get Behind Me Now, Stay There, which, by the way, you can hear episode 61. If you, if you go to my website, martinlestraps.com, uh, I, I posted, I, I did a blog post, and I included a link where you can just press play and listen to the audio of, of episode 61. So if you if you want to hear uh, the the original uh, incarnation of it, just, uh, you know you, you can check it out there. Wouldn't be hard to find uh, at all. In fact, I'll, t- I'll do you one better. I'll tell you exactly where you can find it. Uh, I posted that. Uh, I posted it on uh, June 15th, June 15th, 2015. The blog title is simply Get Behind Me Now, Stay There. So uh, any combination of that, I'll find it for you. Or again, if you go on the website and you go sort of on the on the right-hand side, you should see a collection of months, you know, that, that chronicle all the various months that, I, that I've been, uh, uh, you know, posting blogs on the website. So you just go to June 2015 and, and you'll find it. So, you know, that's about as convenient as I can make it for you. If you can't find it after that, I really don't know what else I can do for you. So anyway... If all of that sounds good to you, then let's move on with the show. And more specifically, let's move on to my conversation with Charlie Stanton on the wonderful, wonderful KSKQ 89.5 FM radio show and podcast. Get behind me. Now stay there. Welcome, everybody, to another exciting interview on Get Behind Me, Not Stay There. Today, we're really pleased to have on uh, author Martin Lestraps, and he has a wonderful podcast as well. And, uh, boy, we're really privileged to have you on. How you doing, Martin? I'm doing outstanding, and I'm thrilled to be here. So it's uh, it's nice to hear that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm also, that you're happy to have me, I guess is what I was trying to say. 
Oh, we're, we're, we're ecstatic about it. I tell you, um, you know, um, there are so many things we want to talk to you about. You know, first of all, you know, let's talk about a little bit about your debut novel, uh, Inside the Outside. Okay. Because it, it did, did it, you know, amazingly well. You won a grand prize in Paris, and that's just you know phenomenal. Yeah, it won the in 2012, it won the grand prize in the Paris Book Festival, which was uh, uh, I think it, it's been about three years, and I'm still uh, I think it's just now settling in a little bit. Uh, uh, the it, it was the the success of that book, and, and even and honestly, even like talking about the success of that book feels weird because it feels like I'm talking <laughs> about somebody else's <laughs> somebody else's book, but it. Um, it was so surprising, like the best, the best possible way you can be surprised because I, cause you know, I, I'm an independent publisher. So I put the book out myself and I remember as just as clearly as just as if it was yesterday, I was sitting in the kitchen with my mom in the house that I grew up in. And, uh, it was the day before I was going to launch the book and I was just sitting there with my mom, just feeling very vulnerable and insecure and scared and anxious. So, you know, I needed mom. Right. And, uh, and I remember just telling her, you know, what if, what if nobody cares? What if I put this book out and it just, it just becomes one of another million books out in the marketplace and lives out its life in oblivion. And what if nobody cares? And, and of course she was sweet. She's like, well, I'm going to buy it. I was like, well, I know you're going to buy it, <laughs> but what if, you know, uh, and then, you know, put the book out and then, you know, at that point it was just kind of like, uh, on the job training, trying to figure out how, how do you, how do you, how do you bring attention to a book? How do, how do people find a book? So so to go from that conversation in the kitchen with my mom of what if nobody cares to winning the grand prize in the the Paris Book Festival was uh, I, I felt like I was in the middle of a of a Rocky movie. Well, I'll tell you what, Martin. Uh, one of the things you know in, on our show, and we talked to a lot of different authors and you know uh, directors and actors and everything, and we do a lot of news stories. And uh, you know, one of the things that I constantly bring up is like we did this one story about this guy who self published and he published on Smashwords. And uh, he made um, $1.6 million in that year on wow. his own. Yeah, and he released it a chapter at a time for 99 cents. And his story was uh, similar in some ways of yours because he was like, he he had written this uh, sci-fi uh, sci book. Mm -hmm. He hadn't fully completed it. He started writing it. And he was encouraged by his parents and his friends that it's so good you ought to publish it. And he's like, nah, dude. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, he's like, I just, you know, I do it because I like doing it. So the... They talked him into doing it, and he, he released it a chapter at a time, uh, you know, on uh, Smashwords yeah. for, like, 99 cents. And, you know, so it, it did amazingly well. It's just one of those, you know, you know, you know, huge success stories like your book, you know, what, you know, things that you just you never see it coming out of the blue. That's so awesome. And the funny thing is, because I know, uh, just hearing that story, you know, uh, second person, I totally get that feeling of, you know, because when you write a book or, at the, you know, well, when like when I when I wrote this book, I was just writing it on my on my computer in my little apartment on, the, you know, on a Word document. And so there's something about. I think there was something about, you know, just typing this story on the same computer where I check my email and look up sports box scores. And, you know, this is like this household appliance that sort of, you know, there was something, yeah, even though I enjoyed working on the story and, you know, it was something I was proud of and I felt sort of inspired to do it. You know, when it came time to put it out, it's like, well, I don't know, it's just this thing that I wrote on my on my computer. Why would why <laughs> would anybody care about that? What What nerve do I have to ask anybody to spend money on this thing? That I just typed on my on my computer, so I totally get that feeling of you know I'm I'm just I'm, no I'm just doing this. Why would I put this out in the world? Well, yeah, but you know the the, the correlation I was going to make between the two of you, and, and I often made this point to you know the other five that uh, when we do our d the discussions is like I say you know 
they are all saying, yeah, what a great marketing strategy to put it out at a, you know, a chapter at a time, 99 cents, you know, and I'm, you know, you know, the, all these different, you know, like marketing ways, you know, yeah. I said, yeah, but you know what, the, you guys are missing like the, the big part of it. And it's the same thing with your book, you know, the bottom line is the guy wrote a good book. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why people wanted to read it. You know, I mean, like, it's like the old saying from the theater, you know, it's like, I can bring 10,000 people to opening night, but you got to bring them back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I told, I totally agree with that. And even, uh, and you know, it, you know, however good my book is, I always, you know, I always feel like that's it's not for me to say. So as like, I'll let if anybody else likes it, I'll let them talk about it. But but to that point, I totally agree because I mean, I do, I do try to keep up with you know what are what are other authors doing, what are what are other indie publishers doing, how are how are they marketing, what strategies are they using, is there anything that I can kind of gleam off of this or that? And you see, you see a lot of authors who you know, they're really successful and they can say, well, this is, this is, this is what I did. I published, you know, one, one chapter at a time. And I saw another strategy where it was like, you know, uh, write five novels and then put them all out at the same time. And so I've heard, so I've heard literally heard everything from a chapter at a time to just publish five books in one day. And, uh, and I'm, and I'm with you, which is, you know, there, there might be something to, to this strategy or that strategy, but at the end of the day, if people are buying it, it's because the author, you know, did something. They they did something that, that made it worth the reader's time to to spend their money on it and sit down and read it and tell their friends about it. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's the the, the same goes for you know any um, part of the uh, entertainment industry, you know, uh, or educational industry for that matter. It, you know, with um, say like with you know with music, you know, you can have the best equipment and have the best look, you know, but if if you don't have the you know the songs that people like, they're not going to listen to you. You know, if you don't make a movie that people want to watch, you know, go and see, you know, and I, I've never heard of this published five books at, at once thing. <laughs> I, I, I think it's, it's, it's a spinoff, you know, but like because, you know, how uh, Netflix and all these people now are yeah. like, releasing the whole series at once. So you can just like binge watch it. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, binge reading is a little more difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Because even the because I think also like, um, you know, I, all writers, I think, are writing at different paces. And so I think I mean, there there are. There are writers, especially indie authors, who they can they can just write at this prolific rate, and so maybe maybe they can knock out five books in a in a year or six months, and so putting them out isn't isn't a huge deal, and so then and then they could see if it works or not. In my case, I'm a much more uh, meticulous writer, for better or for worse. So you know, if um, it's going to take me at least a couple years to write a draft of a book that I feel good about so if i have to wait till i have five that strategy is never going to work for me <laughs> you know i'll be uh you know i'll be i don't know i'll be i'll be, I'll be uh with on the doorstep of uh retirement and uh i was gonna say i was gonna have gray hairs but i can't see my hairs because it doesn't grow anymore but <laughs> you know it's funny i just uh, listened to this book uh yes please uh, it's a funny little book by amy polar mm-hmm. and you know she starts off her her um her prologue, you know, and she just and and she just complains and complains. She read the book herself, and she, you know, she's like, you know, about writing is horrid, it's terrible. <laughs> I can't stand it. I don't know why everybody told me to write a book, you know. And she's going on and on about, you know, she goes, and I, I, I got my my writing clothes on, and I'm, you know, I'm kicking back, and I'm, you know, I got this special computer, and I'm here, I am, you know, I'm supposed to get this, you know, sense of inner peace and everything. And she goes, and I'm just like, oh my god. <laughs> And so, you know, it's a writing is, is, is a, for me, like, you know, for me, even though I talk to a lot of authors and I know a lot of authors and I read an incredible amount of books, they, um, I, I can't write, you know, it's, it's not a gift that I have. Mm. 
Yep. It's well, I'll tell you, it was, it's um, well, for me, I was I was such a late bloomer. Like I didn't even like well as a kid. Like growing up, I, I remember pretty clearly second, third grade, right around whenever you start reading, you know, learning how to read and uh, getting those those first kind of reader books. And I remember do I remember testing as a kid in second or third grade, whenever it was, and uh, doing really well my first time around. I, I mean, I remember learning just you know the alphabet and how to write you know, my name and my address and preschool, things like that. And I always remembered it coming easily to me. But, you know, as I grew up, and even as I grew up, because I was never, an, I was I was never a good student. But I mean, I was never, uh, you know, not in a rebellious sense. Like I was always polite and I showed up on time and I raised my hand and all that stuff. But when it came to academics, I was never a, a great student and, and uh, sort of excelling in the classroom was something that never really, you know, came easily to me. But when it came to English, I always I always did well, and I didn't work any harder on that than anything else. But it always came easily to me. But uh, it never it never occurred to me that because it came easy to me, maybe this is something that I should look into. I just figured, well, if this is easy for me, this is clearly easy for everybody. So it, it just never occurred to me. And it wasn't until I was eighteen and in my first year of college, and I took my first English class and uh, did my first uh, essay assignment that that professor. Um, her name is S.K. Murphy. She's a wonderful author. Uh, she was the first uh, teacher I had who who just kind of took a second to say, you know, you're pretty good at this. You should you should think about pursuing it. And up and up until that point, I just it never even crossed my mind. And at that point in my life, because I was just starting college, I didn't had no idea what the heck I was supposed to do with my life. So I figured, well, this is cool. If, if I'm good at something, I may as well, you know, see this through. And uh, and sometimes I, I I wonder almost I'll, I'll wake up in the middle of the night in a, in a cold sweat thinking, what if I hadn't met that wonderful woman? Like what would I have ever would I have ever you know uh, investigated this um, this craft that that now I can't imagine living without it. I I love doing it. It makes me endlessly happy. Uh, even if people stopped reading my books tomorrow, I would still do it because it's something that I that I so so sincerely enjoy. But what if I hadn't met that person? Would I have met somebody else? I I, I have no idea. So I I, I uh, God I think about that uh, a lot. I mean, and now and even as a reader too, because you because you mentioned that you uh, that you read a lot. I I love reading now, but it was the same thing. I was I was eighteen before I really truly read a book beginning to end, and sort of got it and absorbed it and really felt like I was reading. So up until then, you know, reading was always very mechanical. Like I could I could read the words on the page but once I got to the end of the page I, I didn't quite have that skill yet of, of of engaging with the words and actually uh you know ciphering the information that the that was contained in those words so I'll, so so like today I'm 37 today so it's been almost 20 years um but even now, I still feel like I'm catching up with everybody in terms of uh reading and writing I, I probably for the rest of my life I'll feel like I'm trying to catch up with everybody well, I think that you would have um, found your voice, as they say in the theater, even if you had met the, uh, this woman or not, because obviously, uh, you know, the, the uh, talent and the need to express yourself on a written page was already there. She just, you know, tapped a vein, as they say. You yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I like to believe that's true and I hope it's true, but it, 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 uh, it probably won't, it won't stop the occasional uh, cold sweats from uh, every now and again. Well, you know, um, you know, I often like, you know, the, you know, the talk about, you know, the uh, the Beatles, you know, because we we do a lot of, um, you know, stuff on stories with them, you know, so it's so interesting and stuff like that. And one of the questions they asked Lennon in uh, New York was, you know, if you weren't in the, you know, in the Beatles, right, you know, uh, what would you have done? Because he was in art school, right? Yeah. 
And he said that uh, he was, I would have been a musician because that's, 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 that's what I do. Hmm. And uh, they said, you know, do you think you would have made it? And he goes, no, I don't think, he goes, if we weren't in that group, uh, he goes, I think Paul and I would have been successful musicians because we were both that talented. He goes, the other two, I don't know about. He goes, but, <laughs> <laughs> he goes because, and and because, you know, he was so cocky and everything, you know, yeah. he goes, well, you know what they, you know, they, they, you know, both really blossom and stuff like that. And he goes, well, yeah, he goes, I wish I could have worked, you know, with two fucking geniuses all the time. <laughs> <You know? laughs> you know, he goes, I think I would have learned a thing or two, you know, myself. <laughs> Oh, that's wonderful. I would, I would, I would love to have just a, uh, just a, just, just a dropping of that confidence. I bet I could go a, a million miles further. That's wonderful. Yeah. You know, and, and you know what? And then I heard another story and this was recently with McCartney because you know, he's in his seventies now and they're asking about touring and all this other stuff. And this guy calls up and asks him, he goes in a band and he goes, you know, what do you do? You know, to, to uh, get your lucky break, you know, you know, or to get discovered. Like yeah. you were talking about with your book, you know, how do you put it out there so people find it? And he just said, son, everyone gets a lucky break, you know? Mm-hmm. Says, oh, okay. <laughs> and he goes, uh, well, what, what, what was different with you guys? And he said, I tell you what, Mark, he said, we were good. But <laughs> 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 well, so, you know, it's just like getting back to your book inside the outside, right? It's yeah. like. What's the difference between, you know, you writing the book and somebody else writing the book? Well, you wrote a good book. <laughs> I want to read this book. <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate that. And I, and I, uh, I, I, I very much agree with the, with the, what, what McCartney was saying too, that, you know, I, uh, although le- more from the standpoint that, you know, I, I think everybody will, you know, we all have certain moments where we, uh, where we find ourselves with a uh, with you know face to face with opportunity, whether it's you know by by luck or happenstance or or whatever the case, um, but I think the difference is is a uh, are you are you prepared to capitalize on that lucky break? Because you know if uh you know if 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 somebody let's say somebody uh you know uh, somebody out there listening and you know, maybe they kind of sort of have writing aspirations and then. Uh, as soon as they finish listening to to this to this uh, conversation we're having, they they run into uh you know uh, uh I don't know they run into Stephen King and and Stephen King introduces them to his agent and that agent takes them to a publisher uh, and that publisher says well listen uh, you seem like an awfully nice guy uh what do you have and if you have nothing if you've done no preparation that lucky break uh is ultimately going to be wasted so um so definitely you know you know. Any anybody who's honest with themselves, if they've had any level of success, you know, will tell you that at least a few times along the way. And I, I can definitely speak my, for myself that more than a few times along the way, I've I've certainly got lucky. And I can even, you know, I could I could probably even pinpoint some of my lucky breaks. But I can also say that along the way, I've worked really really hard, and I've and I've and I've I've, I've struggled, and I've prepared, and I've I've honed my craft, and I've. Uh, I've I've put in so much work that you know, eventually you know when a when a few of my my lucky breaks came along, I think I was prepared to uh, uh prepared to engage with those lucky breaks. Yeah, you know um, that's uh, one of the sayings that I've I've heard so many times before about what's the definition of luck. You know, it's when opportunity meets preparedness. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know it's like you know with the case of like uh, the musical group the Beatles like they you know everyone thought they were overnight sensations but you know these guys were turned <laughs> like 10, 10 years you know 
you know, playing, you know, with, with like two people, you know, <laughs> the audience, you know, so everybody puts their, puts their, you know, their, their time in, yeah. you know, if, if that's what you wanted you, you to do, you know, and then, uh, you, you know, there's so many stories out there that, uh, you know, and uh, everyone always clings to the one, like your story. Everyone will <laughs> going to cling to, you know, Martin's story, you know, it's like, man, he put out his debut novel, man. He won the prize, grand prize in Paris, man. He's a famous author now, you know, and did, and, you know, then there's these guys, you know, with the majority of people, you know, men and women that write and write and write and, you know, and, and uh, no one ever reads it except for them and their family. Right. You know, and uh, and that's okay because that's what, they, you know, that's what they want to do, you know, but they hear these stories and mm -hmm. then some of them are incredible. Like, you know, the um, Anne Rice, you know, the interview with Vampire was her first book. Uh, yeah, I don't think I realized that. Yeah, that was her very first book. And she... Um, you know, she, she, she wow. had, back in the day when there was no independent publishing yet, yeah. she got a publisher and she had a friend who knew someone who worked at a big publishing house in New York. Right. Mm -hmm. And so she gave her her novel and she said, you know, Hey, you know, can you show us to your friend? And she goes, sure. So as the story goes, she says, you know, they, uh, the guy who took it, you know, from a uh, random house or Simon and Schuster, one of the two, uh, he said he has a novel and he was like, you know, he gets a million of them, you know? Uh -huh. And, uh, so um, he said this particular weekend, he happened to get real sick and he didn't go to work for the entire week. And he goes, so while he was there, he read her book. <laughs> while he was ill and he was so good. He goes like, we got to get this woman, you know, <laughs> and publish the book. J.K. Rowling's the same thing. She wrote Harry Potter. You know, that was her first book. Yeah, that's a man. That's a, I mean, it, especially, you know, uh, you know, with uh, J.K. Rowling and, and Anne Rice to, you know, for, for their first books to to take off like that. That's such an incredible ride. That's amazing, and I mean, because again, you know, you're, I mean, talking about like publishers and and, and agents, and uh, you know, how just so many books end up on the slush pile, and and you know, I, I'm sure even the agents know somewhere in that pile of books there's probably a gem, but how much energy do they have to to search for that gem? If in fact, you know, they, they can either dig through this pile or you know they. Maybe somebody has their ear and maybe it's like, oh, you know what? My neighbor wrote a really great book. You should check it out. And then they check that out and it turns out to be, you know, whoever, Anne Rice or, or whoever, somebody amazing. And then that amazing book that's lost in the slush pile, it, it doesn't become any less amazing. It's just, you know, it's, it's going to be buried under, the, under, under, under that pile. I mean, because I, you know, I before I published independently, I, I tried really hard to, to go the traditional route and I was... I spent uh, several years, you know, sending out query letters to to agents and collecting, you know, lots and lots of rejection letters. But every every rejection I got, you know, I just felt like, all right, that's one rejection closer to the final to, to that first acceptance. And I kept doing it, kept doing it, and I eventually got to the point where I felt like, you know, you know, I have this book inside the outside, and you know, if somebody rejected it, I never. You know, I didn't take it personally. I just knew I know it, it's a business, and you know this person doesn't feel like they can you know make money with it, and that's cool. But I'll find the person who feels like they can. And I eventually kind of reached this crossroads of, you know, I'm really proud of this book. I feel good about this book. I do think if I keep doing this long enough, eventually somebody will say yes. But I'm kind of getting tired of it. Like I really just want to put this book out, and I want people to read it, and I I want to. I want to feel what it's like to have a book out into the world. And so then, then I had to make a decision about, you know, do I keep, do I keep hitting my head against this wall and hopefully try to break through? Or do I take this uh, sort of 
scary, mysterious route that I know nothing about that's, uh, you know, self-publishing, independent publishing. And ultimately I decided I'm going to, I'm going to explore that route just because I, I, you know, I, I love this book and I feel good about it. And I just want, I, I want somebody to read it. Even if it's, even if it's somebody, I didn't care who it was. Like I, I felt like, you know, when I, once I put the book out, I, I genuinely felt like if one person who's not legally or biologically bound to love and support me reads <laughs> this book, <laughs> then it will have been a success for me. Uh, and so even if that means I just, I, I, you know, I published it independently and just somebody out there finds it, then, then it will have been worth it. And that's, that's kind of what, that's kind of what put me uh, on that road. In fact, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, about a year or so before, before I, I published the book, uh, I went to go see uh, a stage play of, uh, of Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which is a, I'd seen the movie and I, I loved the movie. So there was a small theater company in Santa Ana, California, who was doing a, a, a production of it. And so I, I you know, I, I went with uh, some friends of mine and I was really excited because I loved this. I, I loved the movie. I'd never seen a, 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 you know, a play production of it. And so we get to the theater and I remember the theater, it was, uh, and I, I don't think I'm exaggerating. It was kind of it was like it was like a concrete room. It felt kind of like a storage garage, and <laughs> and they didn't have so much a stage as it was just a corner of that room that was uh, you know designated for the players to do the play. And they had the, the chairs, and there was maybe maybe you know thirty or forty you know fold out chairs. I don't really remember. And um, and so you know it, it wasn't the, it wasn't the most uh, uh, overwhelming um, uh, I, I guess theater. But then, you know, the star of the play, and for the sake of this conversation, I wish I remembered his name, but I don't. But the star of the play, for the next two hours or whatever, he put on a, a world-class performance. It was it was one of the most engaging, transcendent, thrilling performances I'd ever seen. And, and, and I swear to you, I would put his performance up against anybody who's ever won an Academy Award or an Emmy or a Tony. It was it was it was just so goddamn good. And I remember thinking to myself, you know. This amazing performance, it's happening, you know, uh, on a Wednesday night in the middle of Santa Ana in this concrete room with about 30 people watching it, but it doesn't make it any less amazing. And, uh, and, and the, you know, and so I remember leaving the theater that night and, and it, and it was literally that performance as I was walking to my car and I realized it doesn't matter how my book gets to the world, you know, whether it's through a huge, you know, New York publishing house or whether I, you know, whether I figure out how to put it in the world myself, just put out and put it out into the world. And I genuinely felt like if, if, if even one person reads my book and my book makes that reader feel the same way that that actor did when, when he was exercising his craft in front of me, then I knew it would be worth it. And, and that play, uh, again, it was, you know, it, it was years ago, but I still think about it and I still realize and for the rest of my life, for the rest of my career, I'll be able to point to that play and say it was so impactful and really helping me understand that's what it's about. It's, you know, I mean, as much as I would love, you know, I, I would love to have a, a million readers and I would love for my my books to be, you know, the, these these household household names. But but again, you know, the fact that I've reached a point in my career now where um, I've been so, so lucky and so fortunate that I actually have heard from people that tell me, you know, yeah, inside the outside. That's my favorite book. That book changed my life. That book uh, affected me. I read that book countless times, and to have it, you know, and people that I've never met, it's just email or Facebook or, or Twitter, or if I've been lucky enough to meet somebody, you know, in person at a, at a book signing or something. But uh, you know, to to know that I that I did something that 
even affected one person absolutely makes uh makes it all so 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 worthwhile well you know it it, it really does and i can't imagine what that feeling's like but you know you um you know you you, you did the uh, the most important thing which is you got it out there you know it's, you know it's like you know there's a lot of euphemisms and a lot of you know uh, sayings, you know, it's like, look, man, you can't win the game if you don't get in it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know by, by putting the book out there, you 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 know you you opened up yourself, you know, and uh, you know allow people to enjoy it or or not to enjoy it, you yeah. know, let, let them draw their own conclusions. I personally think, you know, that books are like you know one of the most precious things around. I mean, you mm-hmm. could be in a cave and if you got a bunch of books, I mean, you're going to be, <laughs> you know. Yeah, even movies you're going to grow tired of, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, just literally uh, this morning, uh, yeah, I was, I was, I think I was just, 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 just in my own head having a, having a very similar thought, just thinking about, you know, uh, as much as I love, uh, you know, I love movies and I love television and, uh, you know, I love going on Netflix and getting lost for a couple of hours or, or whatever. But, you know, if, uh, you know, if there, you know, just if the shit went down and there was some crazy, you know, nuclear attack of some sort and all the technology was destroyed, you couldn't watch movies and you couldn't watch Netflix and you can't go to the theater. But if you can find a book, you can read that. And that's always going to exist. Yeah. And, and the thing about books is, you know, it, it's a it's a it's a personal thing, you know, because you get to interpret it in your mind any mm-hmm. way you want. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's when you watch a TV show or you watch a movie or something or you go to the theater, you know, it's going to end the way they, they want it to end. Yeah. Just, just how is, is a book's going to end the way you want it to end. But the way we interpret it is entirely up to us. Yeah, I've always uh, I've always felt like that, like the uh, uh, writing is ultimately it's a collaboration between the writer and the reader that, you know, the, the writer, you know, I mean, the writer, the writer's doing the heavy lifting, but the writer's also doing 50 percent of the work. Because that story doesn't come to life until a reader brings it to life in their imagination by reading it, and uh, and of course you know that's that's why people get so so personal and protective about their books when they see an adaptation and it just it doesn't feel right because whoever whoever adapted it you know whoever the director producer was you know they're presenting their vision of the story, um, but you know but but books can be you know they they are so wonderful and they are they are so personal and 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 I don't even. Um, you know, when, uh, when, when people, you know, when people read my, read my books, I, I think something that they may or may not notice. And I, for the most part, I do it intentionally is I, I don't, especially with my characters, I don't, I don't make, I don't go out of my way to, to create a lot of physical details. Like, you, you know, you'll almost never see me write about how tall a character is, what color their hair is, what color their eyes are. You know, uh-huh. if, if there's a certain detail that seems appropriate to tell the story, then, you know, th- then I'll share it. But in general, I try to create the character um, more, uh, you know, uh, more abstractly. I, I, I want them to feel like a flesh and blood character, but, but I, I leave a lot of that stuff blank. And so, uh, and so I think, I think uh, if, if I can sort of, you know, project on the readers who read my stories subconsciously, you know, because I'm not giving them the details they're going to fill them in themselves. You know, this dude's going to be blind or, you know, blonde. This girl's going to be you know, a, a redhead. Uh, this guy's going to have green eyes. This girl's going to be, you know, five feet tall, whatever it is. But then if they go back, they see that I didn't, I didn't actually say that, but I, you know, and I do that intentionally. Cause I feel like, you know, if I'm leaving room for them to, to continue that collaboration with me, you know, as, as the reader and even with character names, you know, like when I, there are certain character names that if, if, uh, if I have a, uh, a relatively unique name, and I know how I pronounce it in my head. 
And if I, you know, I've had occasions where I've, I've had, I've met writers and they reference a particular character that they loved and they pronounce the name differently than I do in my head. I don't correct them because as far as I'm concerned, this is their story. I mean, I, I wrote it, but this is their story too. And if that's how they hear the name, then that's, that's good enough for me. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's very cool that you, you, uh, you know, your readers like a, um, they, they get to be part of this abstract painting, you know, yeah. you, 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 you lay out the groundwork and it's like, you know, it's, Hey, it's whatever you want it to be. Yeah. You yeah. Know? I mean, it's really, I mean, it's, I, it's literally, well, not literally, but you know, figuratively we'll go with that. Uh, I'm laying out a blueprint and then, you know, you are the engineer with your imagination. You're going to take this blueprint. You're going to create this, this world. And if I've done a good enough job with this blueprint, you're going to be able to build this really amazing world in your in your imagination, and you can live there for a little while, and you can enjoy it, and you can go back and revisit it uh, whenever you like. Yeah, and I think that's really cool that you know it's, uh, I've noticed have a lot of authors, it's, and at least and for me as a as a reader, and I think for most readers too, it's like uh, reason people like series so much is um, you know whatever if it's a rainy day or it's a snowy mm-hmm. day or whatever. Um, you know, I mean, if you pick up a book and it's part of a series, mm-hmm. and you are you already know some of the characters in it. You, you feel like you're you're at home again. You oh know? yeah, you just fall right back into it. And yeah. it's just, the, the, the same is true for for the writer too. And I, I've uh, like on my on my podcast, I've talked to a couple of writers who've who've done you know you know book series, and they've talked about that that there is a certain you know when when you start a book from scratch, it's exciting, but there's also you know a lot of heavy lifting to to kind of get this thing off the ground. And when it's a series, you're telling a uh, you know, you're telling a new, a new, uh, a new chapter in that series, but the characters are created. The setting is established and you get to just sort of, it's like, you know, stepping into a nice comfortable bath and just sort of, you know, uh, exploring this new story you want to tell. Yeah. I, you know, it's, and it's, it's, uh, from a reader's point of view, it's, it's really kind of cool. I mean, you know, at, at the times, you, you know, it can be like, well, and I, I don't feel like reading that because I, you know, I know the characters and I pretty much know what the plot's going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, but then other times it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, it's like putting on, you know, that comfortable pair of shoes. You're like, yeah, now this this feels good. <laughs> you know, I mean, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Sue Grafton writes those uh, a series of books, you know, and they're, they're all titled by the alphabet, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, she made up a physical, physical town in um, uh, Southern California, which most people would assume is Santa Barbara, but, mm-hmm. you know, um, but the characters, you know, are all, all the characters and all the in all the stories are different, but they're then the main characters, the mainstays are still around. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's kinda it's kinda cool and um and, and it's even like, you know, I can in terms of uh you know, in terms of uh, of a TV series, because I imagine even more people can relate to, to to falling in love with a TV series. I've had shows where, you know, uh I I just I loved season one and I loved season two. And season three was like, all right, it kind of fell off a little bit, but I know these people. And then season four was ultimately disappointing, but season five came around and I went back to it um, in large part because I know these people and I'm comfortable there. And even though I was disappointed with the last couple of seasons, there's still something, something comforting about hanging out with these people that I've, that I've, that I've grown to, to, to love over, you know, over the course of this series. Uh, I mean, hopefully, you know, I mean, nobody sets out to disappoint their audience, but I mean, even beyond that, you know, uh, if you have a series that people get attached to, you know, they'll, they'll come back to it for as long as you want to tell it. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's, it's something, you know, being in the publishing business, I will tell you right now that, you know, if you were watching a series and, you know, the first couple of seasons are great and the other two didn't do it for you and then they got better again, you know, (laughs) yeah. 
you know, first thing that says to me is they, they switch riders. Ah, yeah, yeah. You know, because the um, when you, uh, like, let's take Game of Thrones, for example, the reason they're so successful is it comes from a book, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, and, and people, you know, forget, even TV shows are written first. They're not just like, you know, yeah. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Somebody has to sit down and write them. And that's where you come in with, you know, like the writer is like, uh, uh, was interviewing Jack Englehart, and he's a, a writer out of New York, a fairly old uh, gentleman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's written a lot of famous books. He wrote that book, um, Indecent Proposal, they made a movie out of. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he was telling me about it, and, and uh, you know, he didn't get to write the screenplay, but he got he was in on it, right? Mm-hmm. And he goes, that was, that was a hard part, you know? <laughs> it's like, you know, having somebody, because, you know, the way you write the book and the way they, they, they are like, look, most books, you know, if we do them true to form, you know, they're going to be like, you know, you know, 17, 18 hours. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You know, and he goes, so you get the screenplay to put, change the dialogue around and fit it into the format. You know, and, and uh, he was, uh, you know, it, he was funny. And I'll tell you this quick story. It's funny. And it's that uh, he was telling me about it. I go, well, he, he was a famous author at the time, right? I mean, this guy, you know, he, he's written some pretty big books. And, he, you know, all of his friends were really famous. And, and you know, so he's working with them. And, and uh, they, they're casting the movie. And, and, uh, and I asked him, was there anything they did that you just, like, really had a fit over? You know, and he goes, yeah. He goes, when they, when they cast the lead, he goes, I, I didn't like their choice, Robert Redford, right? Uh-huh. And I said, well, who'd you want? Robert Redford's a big-time actor. Yeah. You know, you know, he's very famous and he's very good, you know? And he goes, that wasn't the point, you know? He goes, uh, he goes I wanted Tom Cruise, right? Because <laughs> at the time, Tom Cruise, not only is he a good actor, you know, but he was the hottest movie star in the world, right? Uh-huh. And that's what he wanted for his book, right? <laughs> Into the movie. And he goes, they kept telling me, no, no. And I said, well, obviously they got their way. And what, what was the tipping point? You know, and he goes, well, actually, when I look back on it, it's pretty funny. He goes, because they, they kept, at first they would tell me, like, look, he's, 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 a, he's a young guy, he's a pretty boy, you know, and people aren't, he's not going to be believable in the character. And he goes, that, that was the polite way of saying it, right? Uh-huh. Uh, he goes, and I, I wouldn't accept it. And I kept pushing. He goes, well, finally, the screenwriter and the director pulled me over and I go, look, dude, here's the thing, man. He goes, why would a guy who's better looking than Demi Moore give her a million bucks? <laughs> he goes, we gotta make it a little more believable. <laughs> and he goes, that's when the light went on. Like, oh, now I get it. Yeah, <laughs> need somebody that's you know a little bit older, and he's like, you know, this is the only way he's gonna get a, a woman of that caliber. You know, <laughs> that's funny and it's logical. It makes perfectly good sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> So what, let me just talk about your your podcast for a little bit. Yeah, you know? yeah. How do you like doing it? I love it, man. Uh, it's called the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. And when I started doing it, uh, well, uh, originally, initially, I'm just a fan of the of the medium. I love podcasts. I listen to podcasts every day. I was literally listening to a podcast probably right right up until five minutes before uh, before we sat down to talk. Like I listen to them all the day if I'm on the road, if I'm at home. Right. I always have them playing, and I just enjoy it. And and the the more that I listen to them, I would think, you know, I'm enjoying this. And then sometimes I'd find myself just driving in the car, just having a conversation in my head, and realizing I'm not talking to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> but I've got apparently I've got these these things I want to talk about, and I and you know and it was clearly I, it was clear to me that I was drawing inspiration from this medium that, you know, that I think that'd be fun just to sit down and just share my thoughts on this or that, or, or chat with somebody interesting. 
So, um, so I, I, I kind of looked into it. My, uh, you know, my brother has a lot of experience with, uh, in terms of, uh, of recording. Um, he's been you know, a musician and a, and a composer and he does, uh, you know, commercial jingles and stuff. So I, so I went to him just to find out the technical stuff. Like if I wanted to do just a podcast, you know, just, just for my, you know, just for my apartment, nothing crazy, you know, uh, what kind of equipment would I need and how would I get this thing set up? So I kind of get, you know, he kind of helped get me set up with that stuff. And then I still remember, you know, not not unlike with the inside the outside, you know, getting to that moment of like, who the hell even care? Who who, who the hell is gonna? <laughs> what am I even doing? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna sit here and talk for an hour, put it out there. Who the hell cares? But I figured just you know just do it anyway because I figured I, I love the medium so much. I figured it's got to be fun. I think I'll enjoy it. Um, and so then and then the, beyond just loving the medium, I figured you know just in terms of marketing, it would just be one more one more thing out in the world to, to help try to bring attention to, you know, to my writing. Cause ultimately whether it's, whether it's, you know, Twitter, Facebook, uh, my blog, you know, the, the podcast, you know, whatever it is, you know, just be one more thing that, you know, may or may not bring attention to, to what I'm doing. So I started, I, 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 uh, let's see, I think I posted the first episode January of, uh, 2014. And with the exception of one week, I've posted a, uh, you know, one episode every week, uh, you know, without fail and um and I'm loving it and and the great thing I I found is I mean I'll I'll talk to anybody even though um I think I, I think I'm sort of at my best when I'm talking to another author because I feel like I you know I kind of feel like I have something in common with them right. uh, I've I've talked uh, you know I've had a couple of occasions where I've talked to professional wrestlers because I love wrestling but you know I I can come at it as a fan but because I don't really know the inside of what they're doing I I you know I enjoy the conversation but I but I feel like with authors I kind of have a better inside of how to talk to them, how to, how to kind of get engaged with them. But, um, but man, I, I really, really love it. And I, I still, you know, I, I, I have no idea if I'm any good at it <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you, but I, but I, you know, I'm at the point now where, and I didn't feel like this way early on. Cause I still, I was still sort of, you know, uh, struggling with the, all those same insecurities and, and anxieties that I think anybody would feel when they do something new. But I'm at the point now where, you know, I enjoy it so much that, you know, if, uh, the, the finished product is, it's going to be whatever it's going to be. As long if, if I enjoy myself doing it, I'm going to trust that, uh, people will, will enjoy listening to it. You know, um, I've listened to your podcast and I enjoy it. And <laughs> thank you. I, I think, you know, um, that's, you know, one of the reasons, you know, we started our podcast, I heard, um, these, these, these uh, chicks on Nikki and Sarah in New York city, and they did a podcast out of their apartment, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I happened to listen to it. Well, I was there, and um, and it was funny. And they both were writers. They were, you know, comedians. Mm-hmm. They they wrote for comedy shows. For okay. One one wrote for uh, Jimmy Fallon, and the other one wrote up for some um, Conan O'Brien or something like that. Mm-hmm. But they just did this thing in their apartment, and they would just have their friends come over and listen to them while they were, you know, you know, goofing around and making jokes and you know, talking about you know things people talk about. You yeah. know. Anyway. Uh, and I heard that, and then I thought to myself, you know, I always wanted to try something like this. And I go, like, you know, if they can do that, you know, out of the yeah. park, you know. And they ended up getting picked up as a TV show by MTV. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so, you know, you never know where it's going to take you. And once again, it's like, you know, if you don't, you know, get you know get into the game, you know, you, you don't have a chance of, you know, of scoring. So, yeah. But, you know, I like it, you know, for a lot of the reasons that you said, you know, with the podcast, like when we do our podcast, we try to have on, you know, very interesting people like yourself. Mm-hmm. And we have on, you know, like such a broad range of people from all around the world, you know. Yeah. And 
it's 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 so cool. And when we do the we do the, the our, our news and views and stuff like that, we do it with five people in a room, you know. And we have you know sometimes we have people who we Skype them in from New York too, and um, it's it, it's cool because what our idea was. Let's make something that people, because, you know, I know that most people, when they listen to these shows, it's just like yourself. If they listen to it in the car or listen to it while they're doing something else, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I was like, let's make it interesting enough where people are like, what? What the hell did he say? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, you know, you know, you know or, or like, you know, they stop and like, yeah, oh, no, I really liked that. You know, yeah. oh, inside the outside, I read that book. Oh, yeah, let me see what this guy's all about, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I find for me too. My my favorite. I mean, I, I listen to a little bit of everything. I listen to. Uh, I, I I'll listen to. Yeah, there's a you know whether it's a. I like I like you know the podcast that uh, comedians like uh, uh, Greg Fitzsimmons or Bill Burr or uh, you know uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. I like uh, you know This American Life and um, oh, yeah. uh, Freakonomics stuff like that. And uh, and I you know I, I found uh, you know uh, lately I've been finding more. Uh, more authors who uh, who have podcasts. So uh, you know, a, a buddy of mine, you know, uh, Joanna Penn. She's a wonderful writer, a New York Times bestselling author. Um, uh, but she's got a podcast, and and then through her, I've kind of found other people. So I like all sorts of stuff. So what I've eventually kind of, um, I think, settled into in terms of what I do is, um, I enjoy as much as I enjoy having a guest on the show. I find that I also enjoy just sort of just sitting down for an hour and, and, you know, having a conversation with somebody who even they're not, in, they're not in front of me, uh, knowing that at some point somebody will be in their car, they'll be washing their dishes. They'll be, you know, running on the treadmill and, uh, and I'll be having this conversation with them. And, uh, and I think beyond that, I, you know, cause even when I started, I really didn't know what the, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't know what angle I was attacking this podcast from like, what was going to be my thing? You know, was I going to do, you know, uh, uh, current events. Was I going to talk about news? Would I just talk about writing? You know, what was I going to even do? And I eventually kind of settled into, um, I, I guess, well, the, the podcast being just sort of an extension of of of, uh, of my brain and my personality, sort of an extension of my my uh, my writing career. And and I find that I really enjoy. And and I and I've heard from people who uh, who who I think have kind of responded to it. Um, I kind of enjoy just being honest and letting myself be vulnerable and saying, you know, listen, I've got this new book coming out and fuck me. I am terrified. I don't know <laughs> if anyone's going to buy this thing, but, uh, and I think it's good. I tried my best fucking mic suck. I don't know. But, uh, anyway, I just want to tell you guys about it. And, uh, and I find that I, you know, it's, it's almost become this, it's almost like therapy. It's just like, just, just being honest with a microphone. And then when I'm done, I just feel better until it's time to do it again. Yeah, and 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 then that's what people want, you know. Is um, and I can speak, you know, as a human being myself, is you know, you you listen to things, you know, whether it be on the radio or podcast, you know, and people were like, you know, podcast, you know, podcast is just to me, it's just the radio, you know, pod, you know, stands for personal operating device, hmm. so you know, that's you know, I didn't it, know that. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. share that the rest of the day, like I already knew that though. Right. So when you're doing a podcast, you're just you're you're doing your radio show, but people are listening to it on their personal operating device, which whether it be a smartphone or a tablet, you know, or mm-hmm. or, their, or their computer, or you know, they're streaming it, you know, on their TV. Yeah. You, you, you can stream them on your TVs now too. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, it's like you know, the biggest people in the podcast industry and the radio industry, for that matter. Are people who just go on there and just speak their mind, and I'm, you know, I mean, you know, the big, the biggest gamut, you know, is 
Howard Stern and Rush Limbaugh. I mean, mm-hmm. they're two polar opposites, but these guys just go on and tell their point of views. And people, you know, if they like them, you know, they buy into it. Some people listen to them just to hate them. Some people listen to them, you know. To, to, you know, like even if they, even if you hate this guy, you're like, you know what? I, I can't stand this dude, man. You know, then but but you find yourself tuning in anyway. I gotta hear what this idiot has to say, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's got he's got something to say about this, man. <laughs> you know, and it's engaging, and not only is it entertaining, but lots of times it's very educational too. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I, I yeah, so I love, uh, I love doing it, and you know, it, it's been, um, <clears throat> let me think, where, where are we at? The, the we're sitting down right now in March 2015, so it's not quite been a year and a half, but I'm kind of going in that direction, and uh, and it, it, it's been great. And I don't, I don't, uh, I don't see any end in sight. That as long as I keep having fun, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this, uh, I'll, I, I uh, for forever and ever, as long as people keep listening to me. Oh, you know, and, and it, it, it's, it's a great outlet, like you said, and it's, it's very entertaining, and it, it is, you know, educational. You do learn a lot of things. A lot of people out there, you know, are thinking about writing books or talking to, you know, a successful author or listening to a successful author. You know, that means a lot to them. They get a lot more out of it than you would think. And, you know, um, I have heard so many different people, you know, because we've, you know, interviewed so many different, you know, you know, big time movie stars, big time authors, you know, you know, and, and, and then the you know, this the guy down the street, poet, you name it, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was talking to this one actress once, and she said the funniest line to me, right? And she happened to be married. She was the ex-wife of a guy who was very famous, you know. I met, you know, um, Paul Stanley, the guitar player from Kiss. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, so like she and she told me in the beginning of the interview, she was, I don't care if you bring up Paul because you know he's worldwide famous and everybody knows who he is, and so that's cool. We have you know kids together. Yeah, I said okay. I go, but I want to talk about your new movie, right? She, she's an actress, right? And so she says to me when we start rolling, she goes, Yeah, we got a lot to talk about today because we're going to talk about me. Now let's get going. <laughs> And she just took off with this dynamic personality, man. And she turned out to be real funny and real entertaining, you know? <laughs> you know, so do uh, so you like doing the podcast? And what are you working on now, uh, book-wise? Well, I'll I tell you what, it's actually a super exciting time for me. So uh, a week ago today, uh, I, I published book one of my uh, a vampire trilogy. It's called The Vampire the Vampire and the Hunter trilogy. Uh, book one is called The Vampire, The Hunter, and the Girl. So that's been out for a week now. And uh, the most exciting thing is, in fact, uh, literally, like earlier last week, and when I was, I was, uh, you know, recording my podcast, and like I was telling you, I like to be honest, I was just literally just talking about this book is about to come out. I've worked really hard on it. I'm excited and I'm terrified. And you know, I was part of my excitement and anxiety was inside the outside did so well and it did so much better than I expected that I, I, I felt this really overwhelming responsibility to repay these people who are so kind to me with my book that I owed them another good book. And so this was my next book. And what if they're disappointed? What if they don't like it? What if, you know, what if it doesn't even do well, all these things? So it, it launched uh, last Friday and at the end of its first day, it was the, the number one bestselling uh, new release in vampire horror on amazon.com. Oh wow! And I couldn't, I couldn't believe it because you know, just a few days earlier, I was talking about you know, uh, what if nobody gives a shit? And then you know, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and people and uh, and just just for the last week, it's been uh, it's just been the most exciting thing, just hearing from people, um, getting messages from folks, uh, hearing from from new fans who had no idea inside the outside existed, but then you know they they caught one of this of this vampire novel. 
Uh, and then hopefully, of course, you know, they'll go backwards and, uh, you know, read the new or, or the, the previous book inside the outside. So, so this vampire book, this is uh, right now my, it, it's kind of the center of my universe. So everything I do in terms of, uh, you know, promoting, marketing, marketing, thinking about it, podcasting, every, you know, every kind of right now, every waking moment is thinking about, you know, okay, what am I, what am I not doing? If I'm sitting still too long, I feel like, okay, I'm not doing something. What should I be doing, you know, uh, to, to, to help kind of keep the, the momentum going uh, and all three books are written too, by the way. So book two is going to come out in July and book three is going to come out on Halloween. So, and, and in these books, in this trilogy, uh, they're available on amazon.com, right? Uh, amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com and, uh, uh, iTunes, iTunes bookstore. Okay. So now, are they're all, uh, eBooks? Uh, they're available in eBooks, but you can also get them, uh, in print books. So uh, if you're like me and you enjoy feeling the, the, the heft of a print book in your hand, uh, you can get the print book. Um, and if, uh, if, uh, if, if you dig the, the, the digital reading experience, it's available for, on uh, Kindle and Nook. Uh, you can, uh, like I said, you can get it in the, in the iTunes bookstore. And actually, while I'm, as I think about it, uh, if anybody's listening and they're, you know, they're interested, but they're on the fence, uh, on my website, you can sign, you can sign up for my mailing list. You can go to martinlestraps.com. And if you sign up for the mailing list, you just have to use your name and your email. And I, I don't bombard you with spam or anything. Uh, but if you sign up for the uh, for the mailing list, then you get uh, you get chapter one for free. So you get to see if you like it, and if you dig it, then you can uh, go forward and, and pick up a, a copy. That's cool. That's very cool, man. You know, you ever thought about uh, having your books put on uh, audio? Uh, I've thought about it often, to be honest with you, and uh, uh, it, it, partly, you know, it, it's it's another one of those mysterious roads where. Um, I don't know what to do, and on, on the other hand, it's like, well, you know, I I figured these things out before, um, and I also, uh, you know, I also know because you know, but before before the show, before the last couple of days, I was checking out the stuff that you guys do, uh, and I see this is that's actually one of the things you guys do, if I'm not mistaken, is you do audio books. We do. We are the uh, largest uh, independently owned um, audio book manufacturer publisher in the United States and uh, pretty much uh, almost all of Europe too now. Well, it sounds like I'm talking to the right dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've been, do- we've been doing this thing for like, you know, almost 30 years now. So we, wow. we, kind of, we got it down. We make a, you know, we publish our own audio books and we do them on CDs. We do them on MP3s. We also have a, um, our digital uh, downside, uh, download, uh, download site. Uh, it's called downpour.com. If you go on there, you'll see, you know, books from, you know, everywhere. And we have, a, you know, like over, you know, maybe 60,000 books on there. Wow. You know, and, uh, you know, everybody from, you know, from from Stephen King, you know, you know, to uh, Cyrus Emerson. That's awesome. You know, and uh, I had a guy once, you know, and we published his books. And we ended, he had a trilogy, too, that he wrote. And we ended up publishing all three books for him. And he lives, he lives in Bulgaria. And I got to be friends with him. And I talked to him. And he came on our show. And I'd heard him on podiocast.com. Mm-hmm. That's, where, that's where you can record your own audiobooks. Okay. Yeah, and he has this real thick uh, Scottish brogue accent. And he writes horror books, right? And the first one was called Bone Machines. And in this real thick accent, and it, uh, the first line was, they suffer for his art, right? Uh-huh. And, but he's, the way he said it was, they suffer for his art, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and and I, so I heard it, and I just happened to be on the side. I was checking it out because, you know, Nikki and Sarah were telling me to t- check this out, right? Yeah. And... Um, and so you know you could self-publish your own audiobook if you want, you know, but you're not going to get the distribution that you need that you need to you know really make sales. Right. But um, in my humble opinion, 
But I heard him, and then I contacted him, and then he was on. He was on the show, and then I go, you know, dude, send me, send me the bow machines, right? And so he sent it to me, and uh, and we, you know, we published it as an ebook for him first, and then um, then I, my son is the CEO of the company, and I told him, I said, you know, take take a look at this, man. So he looked at it, and then you know, about six months later, he came up to me and he goes, yeah, he goes, I got a hold of your friend John Dodds, and I said, yeah, and he goes, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do his book, uh, Bow Machines. I said, really? And he goes, yeah, we picked up. Um, I go. I just got a you know a email from him, and I said he said he, you you took all three books. He goes, yeah, man. He goes, yeah. He's going to write a trilogy. We, we, we do. We 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 want to do them all. You know? That's awesome. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I mean, because it's it, I've thought about it uh, often, and the one thing that I think is a uh, probably the one thing that is that stopped me from going full force pursuing it is, uh, you know, if and when I do it, I want to make sure that it's great you know that and then i've i've done that with with my novels both in because even when i was going into you know i'm going to publish these things myself um i didn't want it to look like you know just uh this this small little you know slap together project i was going to publish it myself but i wanted somebody to be able to pick up my book and put it side by side with something that you know came out of one of the big five houses in new york and not be able to tell the difference i wanted it to be i wanted the, the design to be good I wanted the uh, the interior design to be good. I want the cover to be good. I want the writing to be solid. I wanted everything to be great. And so I I, I worked really hard to figure out what I had to do to do that. So as far as audiobooks go, it's kind of that same thing that, you know, I, I would like to do that one of these days. Um, I just, you know, for me, it's like I didn't want to I didn't want to go forward with it uh, until I knew that the final product was going to be outstanding. You know, the, one of the biggest things that, you know, happens with authors is, you know, a lot of authors want to read their own books, mm-hmm. you know. And because they're like, I wrote it. This is my baby. I want to read it and stuff like that. And yeah. we're like, you know, yeah, you know, okay, that that's cool. You know, you know, it's, it's just like, you know, it's like it's like a real estate. You know, uh, <laughs> and when an appraiser comes out to the house, they go, look at I, I built this with my own two hands. Like, look at everybody I know thinks that their house is worth a million bucks. But you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to tell you what it's really worth. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but because we, we, we use you know professional you know actors. Yeah, well, that's awesome. These professional actors and professional narrators and voiceover artists. I give you an example. My brother's a writer. He's my older brother. He's an author, and he wrote this book. It's a really cool uh, mystery detective book. You know, it's called The Gumshoe Diaries. And you know, when I read the book, of course, I, I was like, you know, like your mother. I'd read it a million times, and you know, he, he had you know, <laughs> kept giving me the manuscript every time he revised it. And um, you know, then it, then it came out and it got printed and it was in print. And it was a really good book. And he, he he's one of those authors where you meet him, you know, you'd never guess he had this kind of sense of humor. You know, and I'm his brother, and I'm like, where did this come from? You know, and uh, so anyway, so he did the book, and, you know, it did well, you know, in, in print and everything like that. So we did the audio book, and he was the same way, just like every other author. He goes, this is the way I want it to be this way, you know, <laughs> and, you know, you got to say it this way and do this and do that, you know. Yeah. It's like, you know, okay. So we told him, look, you know, I told him, I said, look, dude, this time around, you're just going to, like, you know, you're going to roll with the punches. Let us do your best. <laughs> You know, and, uh, you know, it's just like an author going, you know, when somebody's making their movie out of their book. Yeah. Yeah. You know, let us, you know, we make movies, you write books, you know, so <laughs> let's have, let's have uh, you know, meet somewhere in the middle. I, I, like I'm somebody who, uh, you know, like I want things to be outstanding and uh, which, which means that, you know, if, if, uh, if I'm, if, if I'm collaborating, collaborating with somebody who knows what they're doing, then I'm going to get the fuck out of their way because they know what they're doing. Or, you know, when I, when I, you know, when I want to get a, you know, with the, with this trilogy, 
um, I got kind of lucky and I got this really, uh, this really amazing designer who's, uh, uh, works out of, out in the UK. And I, you know, told him about the book and, uh, and he, you know, he thought that it sounded cool. And so he was willing to work with me and, um, you know, and I, and I found him just, I, I found him about a year before I did it just on the internet. And I saw these amazing, you know, uh, posters and, and book covers that, that, uh, that he had done. And I just, you know, I, I just always kind of kept up with it, with what he was doing, but never actually imagined I'd have a chance to work with him. And so in his case, you know, uh, I was perfectly comfortable saying, you know, uh, you, you're fucking amazing. Here's what the story's about. Um, uh, I'd be, I'd be happy just to see what you come up with. Like, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not looking to get in there and, you know, uh, you know, move your hand with the, you know, with the paintbrush, just do what you do. And I, and I'm sure I'll, I'll be thrilled, you know, happy with what you come up with. And of course, you know, through that process, he would show me, you know, show, you know he'd show me a cover and I'd say, that's amazing. Um, you know, could you, could you, uh, maybe make an adjustment here? Can you do something here? Or I'm not sure what, you know, I, I don't know what I, was it something about this? I'm not, I can't put my finger on it. And then he just kind of play with it. Uh, but all along the way, ultimately, you know, if, uh, if I'm working with, with somebody talented, uh, I'm, always gonna you know err on the side of just let them exercise the the craft of the you know with with their talent and trust it's going to be better than what i can do because if i could do it you know i would be in their shoes but i'm not well you know there are there are some authors that are really good you know at, at reading their own their their own books you know they have that vo- their voice for it you know we we approach you know uh, bill clinton you know about doing his book mm-hmm. and that uh and you know He's like, you know, uh, he went with somebody else, but he said, you know, he goes, uh, he goes, I, I'm definitely going to read it myself. And I said, yeah, you, you know, you are the, the, the only person that could read them, <laughs> you know, because, you know, he, you know, he's such a, you know, uh, his voice is so recognizable and he, he speaks so well. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, but, you know, like I said, when my brother's books, what we did was like, we, you know, we brought in three different actors. Oh, cool. And we, and we made his book into a radio drama because it was like a, um, uh, a detective story, uh-huh. a mystery detective, right? Like who done it, right? And then when he heard it, I said, he said, you know what? He goes that it, it made his book like twenty five times better than it was, because wow. you know all of a sudden it came to life. When you're reading it, you know you imagine everything in your head, and when you heard it, when we added the music in, you know we had three different narrators, you know, men and women. And you know, doing the parts, and, and it was like it was, it was like listening to an old time radio show, and he, he was just like, "Oh man," you know. And I said, "See, you know, you know." <laughs> and he asked me, you know, if I had anything to do with it. I had nothing to do with it. I go, you know what? We gave it to acquisitions. You know, Josh took it from there, and they, you know, they looked at it and said, "This is the way it's going to work best. This way it's going to capture the biggest audience, and it's really going to make it come alive." And now he's working on the sequel. So That's awesome. Uh, yeah, we use all kinds of different narrators. We like a lot of people from Shakespeare, a lot of movie actors, a lot of television actors. Some of the people I like the best are, um, I like Ray Porter a lot, and he's a uh, he's an actor, and he lives in Los Angeles, and um, he was up here. He did some Shakespeare plays. He's been in a lot of TV series and movies, and uh, he's in um, Sons of Anarchy. Oh wow! Yeah, and That's it's awesome. It's, yeah, and it's like you talk about a small world. It's really a trip because when I was talking to him one day, and I don't really know him all that well, right? And he goes, hey, do you ever see your cousin Andrew? And I said, yeah, I see him. Yeah, I see him. I talked to him. He would tell him I said, hi. And I go, you know Andrew? <laughs> and, uh, you know, he goes, yeah. He goes, I know Andrew. He goes, we used to share a dorm room together at Cal Arts. You know? And, I, <laughs> and I was like, you know, oh, that's such a trip because, you know, uh, Andrew, my cousin Andrew went on, you know, he went on to be a big-time uh, movie director. 
cool. and writer, you know, he did, he does all the um, he wrote all the Toy Stories and Finding Nemo's and Monsters Inc. and all that stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and then so when then Ray told me, he goes, "Yeah, uh, you know, he's a, a friend of his." And I go, how, "How do you know him?" And he goes, "We went. To, he goes, we went to Cal Arts together. I remember when he used to deliver pizzas, man." <laughs> <laughs> Like that's so cool, man. You, just, like, you know, and then that, I think that's one of the things you find in this industry. You know, like through podcasts and through reaching out to people and stuff like that. You know, um, you know, I, like you know, if you want, if this is where you want to be, then you need to put yourself in there where where, where other people are. Yeah, you know, and then you know, it just grows from there. Totally, that's awesome. Yeah, when we we're you know, Blackstone Audio is completely set up. You know, to where you know we do everything. We 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 actually physically make the CDs, make the MP3s. Do the downloads. We record all the stuff right there in the studios. Uh, we have studios, you know, a lot of studios here in Ashland, and we have studios in Los Angeles and New York. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, uh, we do our own graphics, you know, or we'll use yours or whatever, you know. Uh, right. Yeah. You know, so we package it, we ship it. We do, you know, we, we do. You know, we're completely uh, from beginning to end. You know, can, can do the whole thing. That's cool. Yeah, you know, it's like uh, with the CDs now, you know, because people are, are starting to get away from CDs. Mm-hmm. There, you know, I mean, there's there's still you know the the lion's share of the market, mm-hmm. even though people have a lot of digital downloads and stuff like that. Oh, they, that's interesting. I didn't realize that. Yeah, in my mind, it was they, you know, they were all but uh, phased out. Nah, nah. Well, that's cool. I had no idea. Nah, nah. we make as a matter of fact, you know, we make CDs for all the big uh, publishing houses like Shat uh, and uh, Amazon. Because like everyone, all the big publishers, Simon Schuster, Ramen House, and they they, they want to offer the book and CD because a lot of people want to listen to it in their cars, mm-hmm. and they don't want to get out their smartphone because they're on it uh, texting. <laughs> 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 you know, but it, it's uh, you know like my rule of thumb is like this: is like when you see manufacturers stop making cars with CD players in it, then you'll know that the CD's over with. Oh, I, that, that's that's a fair point. That's a that's a smart way to look at it. You know, because we did the same thing with cassettes. When they stopped making cards with cassette players in them, that's how far back we go. We mm-hmm. used to, when we first started doing these, uh, there was no CDs. Everything was on tape. Mm, yeah. And when they, you know, when the car manufacturers stopped making cards with uh, cassette players in them and CD players instead, then we knew it was over with for the cassette player. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, you know, it, it like hearing you say it makes so much sense, and I've never ever thought about it that way. But that makes perfectly good sense. Yeah, and um, you know, but you know, with our, our digital side has done well. It's like most people's digital sites are, are doing well. People like to download books, and the thing with that is, it's like a kid in a candy store. You know, you end up downloading, you know, fifteen books, and you don't have time <laughs> to read fifteen books. But yeah, you, but I got them there, and I'm going to read them, you know, eventually. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, so, and, you know, and we even have a, a, a rental program on ours. You know, so I could say oh, that's cool. If someone's in the airport, you know, and uh, they're saying like, "Hey, man, you know, I want to, you know, I've heard so much about this, you know, inside the outside, you know, I want to read it, but you know, I don't want to spend fifty bucks on it, so uh, I'm going to rent it." So they, you know, we, we rent it to them for thirty days. Oh, that's cool. You know, and it, it's uh, you know like uh, seven bucks, you know, and then if they don't read it in the, in the thirty days, for ninety nine cents, we'll give it to them for another two weeks. Oh wow! So you know, it, it's 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 gotten to that, that point with technology where it's really cool. Yeah. And then, and the whole idea is that you know, the more exposure you have, just like you were talking about, like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know, um, you know, uh, and blogging and all that stuff. You mm-hmm. know, if you're if you're everywhere, you know, it's, it's easier for people to access your uh, your material. Yeah, absolutely. And I also find that, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, not 
I don't know. Like I, I like when if, if when I discover somebody new, whether it's a, a new writer, a, a new actor, a new a new musician, you know, uh, I always you know the, the first thing I usually want to see is that I want to see if they have a website, not to see if they're you know big time, but you know I just want to learn more about them. And if I go on their website, uh, then I'm curious to see you know what uh, are, are they are they engaging in social media? Are they on Facebook, Twitter? Are they on uh, Instagram? Uh, are they, you know, do they engage with uh, with their just their fans or whoever? And the more, um, uh, you know, the, the more that that you know, writer, actor, musician, whoever, uh, the more out there they are. In my mind, I feel like, oh, okay, well, there, this is somebody who's clearly actively engaging in what they do. And as opposed, to if I see somebody who maybe they're really talented, but if they're if they're if it, if I don't feel like they're making an effort to get out everywhere. I think subconsciously, I think, oh, okay, well, they must not be doing this anymore, I guess, because if they were, they would be, I would be seeing them in all these different places, um, and I, and and I know that that's not, you know, like that's not that's true. Not, that, yeah, that's not, that's not the case, I, you know, because there are authors who, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, like the guy who writes, you know, Game of Thrones, you know, he, you know, he, he, before that series came out on HBO, you know, his books were not flying off the shelf. Mm, yeah. And nobody knew what his knew what his name was, you know. But you know, <laughs> but you know, you know, it's not it's not everybody's cup of tea. I mean, like you're yeah. you're you're young enough, you know, to where you grew up with this this stuff, you know, and just watched it morph into you know, like a huge huge thing. Let's face it, man. Face ten years ago, there was no Facebook. There oh was, yeah. There was no YouTube. There was no Twitter. You know, there was no Tumblr. There was there, there was no Instagram. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of my I, I have some uh, some 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 writer friends who were. Uh, just so amazingly talented and they're so wonderful at what they do. Um, but you know, they, they came up as writers before the internet and before social media and before social networking. Uh, and so like, I, like sometimes I'll think, you know, I'll, I'll see what feels like, you know, missed opportunities to, you know, to, to, to get out there just thinking you're so goddamn good. And I just, I, you know, I, 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 I like to, I want to see them doing more things, but then I also know, you know, it's, it's, they, they, they came up at a different time. And, uh, and, you know, and, uh, I'll do my best to keep up with stuff, but you know, there's, um, you know, every now, like I can, st- like I can feel every now and then I can feel, uh, certain technologies passing me by or certain, uh, social media outlets that are like, I, I didn't even know that existed. What the hell is that? Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. Because, you know, the, the technology moves so fast, you know, and it's hard, it's hard, you know, like, um. Uh, for Blackstone Audio in Downpour, you know, they use, you know, you know, Facebook and Twitter and SoundCloud and, you know, all the social media apps, you know, so because we're, you know, big enough to do that kind of thing. And have, have people, you know, that's their full time job is to do that. Yeah. And you know, when you're independent, man, you would drive yourself crazy, you know, <laughs> you know, trying to, you know, keep up with everybody, you know, like, you know, it's like, you know, uh, being a debutante, man, you know, do it. Did I, did I, did I write everybody a thank you note? Like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, it reminds me of a joke of uh, uh, Michael Keaton told, um, he said, you know why uh, debutantes don't have a group sex? The answer is uh, too many thank you notes. <laughs> uh, yeah, he seems like a cool dude. I was just reading, uh, oh, where the heck was it? It was a really great interview that he had done. It was, uh, oh, I know I'm going to mess it up, but I can't remember. It was like like Slate.com or one of those one of those uh, cool websites that do these you know, really great uh, uh, in-depth interviews. And it was... I th- uh, I think it was it was a uh, leading up to uh, the uh, the Academy Awards. I don't think the awards had actually happened, so he was still uh, promoting Birdman. But he just you know uh, he he 
I, I was always a fan of his, but having read the, this interview, he came off completely different, but like in a great way. Like he seemed just really interesting and down to earth and very personable. And I uh, just seemed like a really cool dude. Yeah. Yeah. He, he really is. He lives at a ranch in Montana and, um, he, um, He's just, you know, he, he's just like the guy next door. It's like you or me, right? Because I, like, he didn't win for best actor, even though he was nominated. Mm-hmm. But the picture won for best picture of, you know, the year. And yeah. when the and when the director comes out there and the producer, he goes, oh, "I want Michael to come up here and say a couple words." And he comes up there, he goes, "I want to thank the Academy." He goes, "Oh man, who am I kidding, man? I'm just glad to be." <laughs> <laughs> so. Let's so here. Then the name of your uh, your new book is again. It is called "The Vampire, the Hunter, and the Girl." And it is the book one of the Vampire and the Hunter trilogy. And it's available on Amazon.com, Barnes and Noble, Noble.com. You can get it at the iTunes bookstore. Uh, you can uh, you can also, if you go to my website, martinlestraps.com, I've got the shop page. So in a, in a very convenient spot, I have links to uh, the Vampire, the Hunter, and the Girl, and, and Inside the Outside, and, uh, and a couple of short stories that I wrote that were published by Exciting Press. And uh, and then my podcast, it's martinlestrapsshow.com. So um, I, I've, I've had lots of conversations with uh, with authors and comedians and professional wrestlers and uh, just generally interesting people who uh, who I, I, I suspect uh, uh, listeners would would, uh, would enjoy listening to. Okay, that sounds great. You know what? And uh, I love your website. It's been such a blast talking to you, dude. I tell you, you know, I, I just can't express you know, how enjoyable this has been. <laughs> I know our listeners are going to like it, and um, uh, Cyrus will be so ecstatic, you know, to go out and have lunch with you, and uh, maybe you guys can exchange authors' uh, autographs. <laughs> I, <laughs> I would look forward to that. Well, it's been it's been a, it's been a absolutely a genuine pleasure on my end, Edward. So thank you so much for having me on the show. All right, thank you so much. Well, there you have it, friends. There you have it. That was the extended version of my interview on the KSKQ 89.5 FM radio show and podcast. Get behind me now. Stay there. Uh, before I wrap up here, though, I want to say uh, I want to say thanks again to Charlie Stanton for interviewing me and also just for having me on the show at all. It was a terrific honor and I had a wonderful time doing it. And uh, I hope to be on there again. And, uh, you know, I look forward to it if I do. And, of course, I also want to send out a big thank you to Cyrus Emerson for actually getting me on the show. You know, it's uh, uh, in this day and age of, uh, of uh, you know, social media and the Internet uh, and just digital technology in general. It's sort of a, a fun and exciting, uh, you know, uh, technological miracle that these sort of things can happen because, you know, uh but, you know, if it weren't for the internet and social media and and uh, and and Skype and uh, you know podcasts and you know any any other number of, any other number of things that I'm not aware of, then you know the conversation that you that you just heard wouldn't have happened. So it's super cool, and of course, uh, it, it's both cool, but it's also necessary to meet cool people along the way who you know who uh, invite you onto their show. So. So thanks to Cyrus and thanks to Charlie. I had a great time. Uh, and since my appearance on Get Behind Me Now, Stay There, Charlie Stanton and I, we've stayed in touch. And he's become one of my most enthusiastic supporters, which is awesome. Uh, he's been reading my books and he's been saying awfully nice things about them. 
and he's been uh, been very vocal and supportive, and I couldn't be any more flattered by all of it. So, uh, so if you were listening to me right now, Charlie, I want to offer you another thing, another thank you. Um, just, I just want to make sure that you know that uh, all of that support and enthusiasm is uh, is it's it's uh, it is not falling on deaf ears. I absolutely, absolutely, one hundred percent, genuinely, and from the bottom of my heart, appreciate it. So, thank you. Actually, he even he, he, you know he bought a copy of the Vampire, the Hunter, and the Girl, and uh, and you know he wanted me to sign it, which was uh, you know it's 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 uh, I'm always absolutely flattered. A when somebody buys my book, but B when they ask me to sign it. It's one of those uh, it's one of those things that you know it, it's uh, I'm, I'm I'm never it's I'm not used to it. I guess I guess is what I'm saying is it's something that you know when somebody you know, presents me with a copy of one of my books and asks me to sign it, it always, uh, it always, uh, catches me off guard in the best possible way. But of course, in this case, Charlie didn't present the book to me because, you know, he's in Oregon, but he let me know that he'd gotten a copy of the book and he wanted me to sign it. So, uh, and, and it's actually cool because, you know, I would have been, I would have been happy to, to just sign a book and send it to him, you know, amongst other things. As a thank you for having me on his show, get behind me now, stay there. But um, but he'd already gotten himself a copy. So uh, so what we ended up doing is I I I sent him a book anyway. I I signed it and sent him to him, and uh, and the the book that he bought, um, he just uh, I, th- I think he was going to donate it to, to the local library, which act which is actually still super cool because now it means that uh, you know uh, a copy of my vampire novel, the the vampire the humper. <laughs> can't believe that the vampire the hunter and the girl although i gotta tell you the vampire the humper and the girl that that is going to be quite a novel if and when it ever gets written but in the meantime charlie didn't buy a copy of the vampire the humper and the girl because it doesn't exist he got a copy of, of the vampire the hunter and the girl and so that's uh that's circulating uh somewhere in oregon in one of their public libraries which is uh very very cool all right well i'm gonna get out of here but before i do i want to remind you that you can subscribe to the marginal strap show podcast hour on itunes uh if you're not big on the itunes which you know it's not everybody so i'm not going to blame you if you're not you can also catch the show on stitcher radio which you can find at stitcher.com uh, and if neither of those options does it for you then you can always listen the old-fashioned way which is at martinstrapshow.com, where all 84 episodes are available, including this one. And beginning next week, all 85 episodes are going to be available. So, uh, so just so so. Thanks for listening. However, you're listening, whether it's on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, on the on, on the official website, or or any other way that maybe I'm not considering at this moment. Uh, I'm just thrilled that you're listening, and I want to thank you for coming back week after week. I, I very much appreciate it. So, I'm going to get out of here. Thanks again to Charlie. Thanks again, Cyrus. Thanks again to everybody involved with Get Behind Me Now, Stay There. I had a blast doing the show. And until next time, I will see you on the other side.